The Lord be with you. Welcome to Thin Places, the podcast channel of St. Aidan's Anglican Church in Nicholasville, Kentucky. I'm Father Lee, the pastor here at St. Aidan's, and I want to invite you to join me here each week as we join together to share common prayer, common worship, and common life. And just as the streams feed the trees on their banks till they pour in the seas, so may my life be to all those who share this wilderness road. of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight for you are our strength and you are our redeemer 
Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. I invite you to be seated. So, during our vacation uh, last month, Jessica and I had a chance to get away for a couple of nights and go stay at Panama City Beach. Um, and it was a really good time to get away. It was, we, we had a, a great room um, that had a, a balcony on it so that I could sit and I could read a book and I could watch the ocean because that's about as close to the beach as I care to get. <laughs> Everything's hot and it's sand. It's, you know, it's, it's 95 degrees in Florida and it's 100% humidity. I don't want to add sand into that particular equation. But it was very nice to sit there in the shade, uh, you know, walk inside and get, get a cold drink and come back out and sit down. It was, it was absolutely lovely. Um, but even if we had gotten down to the beach, we couldn't do anything because while we were there, they had a double red flag, which means that the water is unsafe. Now, if it's unsafe because of marine life, they have a purple flag. But a double red flag means that there's something going on with the water that makes it not safe. And usually what that means is rip currents. And that was the case while we were there. They had rip currents. For those of you that have not experienced rip currents, there's this, this thing that happens on beaches, especially on very long beaches, where the, the wind moves the water faster than the waves want to go. And what happens is you end up with a lot of water up at the beach at the same time. And of course, we know that when you add all of that mass, it has to go somewhere and it's going to go into the path of least resistance. So it finds places along the beach where the sand isn't quite even. There might be a small depression. And then all of that extra water goes into that, that little channel and it rushes backwards. And when it does, it takes the sand with it, which makes the depression even, even lower. And so more water goes and more water goes until you get these currents that are going sometimes faster than the waves are coming in. In fact, they're faster than most people can swim. Uh, and people will get into those and they are swept out. And when that happens, you're not able to swim back to the beach. And it's terrifying. Uh, and people panic. And while, while we were there, somebody died in one of the rip currents because they went out into the water. And the trouble is that they're very difficult to see from the, from the seashore. If it's a really intense rip current, sometimes you can, you can see like the foam or the debris sort of being carried out backwards, in a, you know, moving against the current of the water. But they're really difficult to see when you're on the seashore. But we had a room that was eight stories up and had a balcony. And so you could see a half mile down the beach this way and a half mile down the beach this way. And as we stood there looking at the water, you could see the rip currents. You could see where the breakers would come in and they have the, you know, it, the, this is, it's the Gulf of Mexico. So the breakers are, you know, air quotes breakers. Uh, <laughs> but you could see the waves coming in and there would be a little bit of white foam at the top. And then you could look and see these waves come in and they would get to the beach and then they would stop in these sections that were maybe 20 or 30 yards wide. And if you looked, you could see that those waves would hit that same point over and over again. And then that line would break and the rest of the wave would continue, but they would hit that current that was going outwards. From that vantage point, you could see where the rip currents were happening. And the scary thing about the rip currents is that it only lasts for a little while. And then that rip current will move to a different part of the beach uh, because the sand is kind of liquidy uh, when, it, when, when it interacts that way with the water. And so the rip current doesn't happen in the same place. It continues to, to move along. And if we came back out a couple of hours later, it would be in a different spot somewhere on the beach. 
They're hard to recognize unless you have distance from them, and unless you have the, the perspective to look from them over the top. Now the gospel lesson that we're reading today is about the disciples who are caught in a storm. And the storm that they're caught in is, is them fighting against waves and fighting against the wind. But it's not based on the current, it's just that there's a windstorm. And the Sea of Galilee is particularly prone to these very intense windstorms that will spring up out of nowhere and last for several hours and then disappear. And the disciples find themselves caught in them. Stuck in the middle of the boat, the, the, the language that Matthew uses here, he says that it is hundreds of yards from shore. Now, we're, we're guessing probably two or three miles out. Um, the Sea of Galilee is more like a lake, so it's only about seven miles across. Uh, and it's not very deep. The, the deepest point, I, I think, in the Sea of Galilee is, is maybe 20 feet. Um, so, like a diving pool. That's, that's as deep as the Sea of Galilee gets. And so when these windstorms hit that water, they don't just like make ripples on the surface. There's plenty of water there for them to just move. And because it's so shallow, there's, there's no way for the water to absorb that. And so the waves get really, really big in, in these windstorms. And they go really, really fast. And the disciples find themselves caught in the midst of one of these storms. The idea of being stuck in a windstorm on a lake doesn't, doesn't seem all that scary to us. It is. If you've ever been in a boat, in any boat in a windstorm, it's, it's a, a terrifying thing. You can feel the entire ship sort of drifting back and forth, and you have waves that you cut across sideways, and it is a, a deeply, deeply upsetting experience. And what's fascinating in, in the way that Matthew describes this to us, he says in, in the ESV they translate it, the, the, the boat was being, was being tossed uh, by, by the waves. That's not a good example of this word. The word that he uses here is a word that means tormented or tortured. This is the same word that Matthew uses in the rest of the gospel when he talks about people being afflicted by evil spirits. The waves are battering the boat like demons. And again, the ESV, I think, does us a, a disservice here because it describes, it says that this occurs toward the evening. But again, that's not what Matthew says. What Matthew says is that this is in the fourth watch of the night. Which is not toward the evening, because the, the world there was divided into uh, a day cycle and a night cycle. And there are four watches during the night. The first watch starts at sunset around 6 o'clock and ends at 9. And the second watch is from 9 until midnight. And the third watch is from midnight until 3 a.m. And then from 3 a.m.-ish until dawn is the fourth watch. So the disciples have been helping Jesus work all day long. The immediate story before this one is Jesus feeding the 5,000. So he goes with the disciples to the top of the mountain and they gather a crowd together and Jesus teaches them and then it gets on toward the afternoon and there is a miraculous gift of food which the disciples then take the task of serving. The disciples take the food and distribute the food to thousands and thousands of people. And after this is done, after everybody has, has had food and everybody's set together for a while, Jesus sends the disciples across the lake and says, I will dismiss the crowds. And so Jesus sends the crowds back to their homes and he goes into the wilderness to be alone. Meanwhile, the disciples go down to the lake and they get in a boat and they start to row across 
to the shore. And now it is between 3 and 6 in the morning, and the disciples are still in the boat, still rowing, because it says that the wind is against them, trying to get to the other side of the lake. After this entire night, they have been struggling in this boat. They are exhausted, and they are anxious, and they are sleep-deprived. And Jesus sees them. It says that Jesus went up to be by himself. He went up to a high place. And from that high place, he could see the lake, and he could see the storm, and he could see the disciples. And Jesus sees them. And Jesus goes to them. And it should not be in the least bit surprising to any one of us regardless of how modernist our brains are, for them to be in a boat in the middle of a storm, in the middle of the night, and see somebody walking across the water at them. And what do they do? They immediately say, Oh, it's a spirit! There's ghosts! The ghosts are coming to get us! But what does Jesus say to them? The first thing that he says to them is, Take heart. In the midst of all of that, Jesus walking to them in the middle of the night, in the middle of the storm, in the middle of the sea, says to them, take heart. And this is one of Matthew's favorite words. He uses this word over and over again in the gospel. And it's a wonderful word because it doesn't, sometimes we think of take heart means, you know, you got to man up, you know, be, be stronger, be more courageous. And there is an element of courage about it, but the word doesn't mean that. It means being filled with warmth. That's the, 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 the root there, is being filled with warmth. Be filled with warmth. Be comforted. Be courageous. Have courage. Have comfort. Have conviction. And then he says to them, it's me. But of course, he doesn't just say, it's me. He uses a Greek phrase that I've talked about with you guys I think many times before. He doesn't say to them, be comforted, be courageous. He says to them, ego me." He doesn't say to them, it's me. He says to them, I am. Jesus walks into the middle of the sea, in the middle of the storm, in the middle of the night, and says to the disciples who are at risk of death, Take heart. I am. It's not a spirit. It's God with us. It's God who has come to his people. It is God who has made a home for himself in his creation. It's God who has cloaked himself in our humanity. God with us stands with them in the midst of the storm, in the midst of the sea, in the middle of the night, and says to them, do not be afraid. Which at face value seems kind of an odd thing to say, because there's a lot of things for them to be afraid of. It's been a really long night. It's a really bad storm. They've been rowing against the storm for six to eight hours at this point. Hours and hours and hours of the boat going basically nowhere. In the dark. 
Nothing that they can see ahead of them. Nothing that they can see behind them. Imagine yourselves in a stormy, windy condition in the middle of nowhere. There's no street lights. There's not like a, a comforting glow on the horizon to know where it is that you're, you're headed. This is dark, dark. And there they are in the middle of the storm, in the middle of the sea. But there's something else here. And it's something that I think we gloss over if we're not, if, if we're not paying close attention. Because they're not just in the middle of the sea. They're in the middle of the sea. Because in the world of, of Rome, in the world of Greece, in the world of, of the ancient Near East, the sea is not a safe place. In them, in the back of their mind, they always look at the sea and they interpret this as something that they can go out into and they can draw things out of it, but it's not a place that you stay. It's not a place that's safe because the sea is always trying to undo what God has done. The sea steals life away. And so the fishermen can go out into the edges of the sea and they can collect things there, but then they immediately head back to shore. They don't make long trips. They don't make long voyages. The, the, the people in Palestine don't live that way. The sea is a place of danger. The sea is a place where you would absolutely, in the middle of a storm, encounter evil spirits coming to get you. For us, we interpret the sea as just sort of a physical presence. But in their world, they don't see a division between a physical thing and a spiritual thing or a supernatural thing. It's both of those. It's, it's in their minds as though the sea itself is against them. This force of chaos, this force of destruction, this force that tries to destroy and to deface everything that God made. And the question that I think stands before us in the midst of this passage is what, what, how are we supposed to be courageous? In the face of all of that, how are we supposed to not be afraid? Not just how are the disciples not supposed to be afraid, but we have had our own experiences with forces of chaos and destruction that set themselves against who God is and about what God is doing. We know what those forces look like in our own world, in our own personal experiences. And in the face of all of that, how are they supposed to take courage? Because in the midst of the storm, in the midst of the dark, in the midst of their fear, and in the face of death, Jesus puts the sea under his feet. Jesus puts the sea under his feet. That is the gospel. Because the truth is that we are constantly, continually surrounded by the sea. We don't call it the sea anymore. We call it forces of oppression and forces of destruction. But we've seen the way that sin and death and the devil rend God's creation. We see the way that sin and death and the devil destroy human relationships and dehumanize individuals. We see the way that sin and death and the devil set themselves up as tiny little gods to oppose the one true God. And Jesus puts them under his feet. And he always has. From the very beginning of the scripture, God establishes the boundaries around the sea. 
God says, this is where you can go and this is where you cannot go. And when the forces of darkness and oppression steal his people away and trap them in slavery, what does God do? He tears the sea in half to make a safe place for them to come home. And then he hurls the pieces of the sea down on top of those who would destroy his people. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Listen again to what Isaiah writes in our passage that we just read. He calls out to the Lord, the arm of the Lord, awake as in days of old, generations long ago, when you cut the sea into pieces and pierced the dragons. When you dried up the sea and the waters of the great deep and made the depths of the sea a way for the redeemed to pass over. And the ransomed of the Lord will return to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy upon their heads. They shall obtain gladness and joy and sorrow and sighing will flee away. That's the gospel. That's the good news of Jesus Christ. That God has clothed himself in our humanity. And that he comes again to us. He comes again to his disciples in the midst of the sea. He comes again to his people enslaved in Egypt. He comes again to his creation caught up in darkness. He comes again to us today this morning. Clothed in our humanity to place the sea underneath his feet. The same God who puts the sea under his feet then does the same thing now. But here's another promise. That he has wrapped himself in our humanity. And because he has placed the sea under his feet. He has placed the sea underneath your feet. That's the promise of the incarnation. That's why he says to them, take heart. He says to them, be courageous. Be filled with comfort. I am with you. I am with you. So don't be afraid. In the midst of darkness and in the midst of fear and in the midst of adversity and even in the face of death, do not be afraid because I have put the sea under my feet. And he says to you today, I have placed the sea under your feet. Sin and death and the devil no longer have power over God's people. They no longer have authority in the places where Jesus is king and where God's kingdom resides. And so he says to us again today, as he says to the disciples gathered together in the boat, take heart, I am with you. Do not be afraid. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for checking out Thin Places today. If you were blessed by your time with us and want to know more, check out anchor.fm forward slash thin dash places for more homilies, devotionals, and worship from St. Aidan's Church in Nicholasville, Kentucky. And make sure to follow us and leave a comment And join us again next time in common prayer, common worship, and common life. The peace of the Lord be always with you.
with our Father is restored. Hope with our Father is restored.